Hello and welcome to What About The Music, a podcast brought to you by So Stereo. We're happy to welcome this week's guest, Armani Duncan. She's a veteran marketeer and brand strategist. Armani is currently the CEO of BBH USA. She's just received Ad Age's prestigious award of Executive of the Year. Additionally, she serves as president of the Entertainment Lions for Music Jury at Cannes Lions 2022. Also in 2022, she's Clio Music Awards Music in Marketeer Juror and 2022 Campaign Female Frontier Awards 2022 Juror. Over her career, Marnie has worked at legacy brands like MTV, Viacom, Martin & Co Guitars and Capital Music Group. So let's tune in now to this week's episode with your host, Beto Azut. Amani, uh, it's great to be chatting with you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Uh, I love kind of like your background and your experience in music and advertising and branding and marketing. You know, great to be chatting music and advertising and how important music is for, for the ad world. So like, I appreciate you coming on. It's going to be a fun conversation. For sure. For sure. Uh, first of all, congratulations on, on the Ad Age A-List Executive of the Year Award. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. We were also named, uh, BBH USA was named one of the standout agencies of the year. So we're, we're so proud of that uh, recognition. Massive congrats to you and your team. I'm sure, you know, that's well-deserved and you're working very hard to achieve those things. And so, you know, big congrats there. Talk to me more about, you know, BBH in general, since you came on, um, you know, you call yourself cultural architects, right? And so we'd love to know more about what that means to you and your team and kind of like what, what you guys are focusing on now. Absolutely. So BBH USA, we have two offices, one in New York City and one in Los Angeles. And, you know, most people know us as the agency of black sheep. We believe uh, when the world zigs, zag. And that was actually the strap line from the iconic advertisement um, that the original BBH uh Bartle, Bogle, and Hegarty did for Levi's back in 1982 when they were launching um, the brand's uh, black denim jeans. And uh, I think what's more important is that we are the, an agency that believes in the power of difference. Difference, we're difference makers. Um, and what's really important is to have difference at the table. And we are an agency that is 50% diverse in race and gender which is so important to us because having those diverse voices at the table and making space for diversity to be present in every conversation, to be present in the work, it's made all the difference. We also have a creative department that is 54% female, which is basically unheard of in the advertising world. Um, So we're really proud of those stats. We are cultural architects. We started leaning into that work with our clients um, with Google. And we started out doing uh, work with them back in October of 2020, right after I started uh, for a little project called Black Owned Friday. Um, and that really you know, was one of two projects that started the, the upward momentum uh, for BBH uh, New York. Uh, right after that, we, we did the glass ceiling breaker work, which was our homage to Vice President Harris. And so those pieces of work really carved out a a very distinct lane for BBH in this space. We really help our brands and uh, our partners navigate the the complexities of of work in the culture space, purpose-driven work, 
um, even though we think all work has a purpose, but you know, this work is is culturally purposeful. We've really had great success in this area. And so we call ourselves cultural architects. That's so great to hear. And you, know, you mentioned the word difference and that you welcome difference at the table. And obviously we're, we're here to talk music and, and the role it plays and how important music is uh, for brands uh, when it comes to advertising, when it comes to connecting with their consumers. And so when you're at the table with creative directors, with producers, with the team, and you welcome difference when it comes to music, it's so subjective. Uh, so you welcome those different conversations, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we start every Monday meeting. We have our all agency meeting every Monday morning, which I love. And everyone's a guest DJ. So we kick off, you know, it was a, something I used to do when I was, uh, you know, heading up marketing at various uh, record labels. But every meeting starts with music. You know, you learn so much about a person through their musical choices. And what better way to kick off a meeting is bop into a, a jam, you know? Um, so, you know, music is in our DNA. It's just part of our ecosystem. Um, and yeah, and so it's important. And plus, you know, we, we're, it's fun. We work in a, an amazing industry. So we should have some fun while we're doing it. For sure. No, and, and I love hearing you say that because it, it validates what we're doing with this podcast a little bit because like we believe that, I mean, music is so important in advertising. And no matter if you are an account manager at an advertising agency, if you're a CEO, or if you are a production coordinator, you know, creative manager, whatever your role is, you have a role to play with music. And so hearing about how you start your weekly meeting with music and you get to see the taste of everyone, uh, everyone has a role to play. You're having conversations about music with everyone. And so, so you're influencing. We are all influencing each other. You might hear something and, and it, it will inspire the direction of a piece of work. It may make you zag um, and think about something completely differently. So music is the cornerstone. It's been the bedrock of my career. Um, it's followed me throughout all of the industries different industries I've, I've worked in. Um, and it's just been very foundational for me as uh, ever since my childhood. So I have a question about, you know, how you got started uh, with your career. I mean, did you always have a passion for music? How did you get into the world of music? Well, you know, I always tell people I've been zagging uh, well before I, I came to BBH. I grew up in a musical household. My, my father was uh, by trade, he was a, an electrical engineer. Um, but by passion, he was a jazz musician. Um, he played every instrument, uh, but the flute was his main love. So he was a flautist. Um, I started playing piano at the age of five. I just walked up to our family piano um, from what my mom and dad told me, and I just started picking out melodies. My sister played violin. My mom played guitar. So I grew up in a very musical household. We didn't watch a lot of television. We listened to records um, and the radio. And so music has always been, again, the foundation in my life. Um, but, you know, as I was growing up, I was told that uh, I should probably be an attorney. So that was a truth that I adopted. And so I, as a dutiful daughter, I did exactly what I needed to do. Uh, I went to college. Um, was a political science major with a minor in international relations and was on my way to law school. And then I had a bit of a moment um, where I challenged that thought of becoming an attorney. 
it's crazy because I didn't have any alternative thought. I was just, you know, I was on this one track of like ticking all the boxes, doing exactly what I thought I wanted to do. Um, but then the zag happened and I told my parents I did not want to go to law school or I didn't want to go to law school at the moment. I think I kind of like dodged, you know, danced around that a little bit. Um, but I was really lost. I had no idea what I wanted to do. So literally, and people think I make this story up, but it's, it's you know, it's gospel. It's absolutely the truth. I woke up one day and I said to myself, I'm going to work in the music industry. And I didn't even know what that meant. Um, didn't even know jobs in the music industry. If you can make an honest living in the music industry. I picked up the yellow pages, um, which for those people who don't know what the yellow pages is, it's basically a like a printed version of the internet, but much limited. Um, I literally went to record label and the first company I saw was Def Jam, Def Jam West. They had a tiny satellite office on Sunset Boulevard in Los Angeles, uh, right next to the whiskey actually. Um, and I called and the person who answered the phone sounded really rushed and hurried. And I went into my typical speech of that. I'm a recent college grad and I'm looking for an internship. And she just said, show up tomorrow and hung up. And the person that answered the phone was Tina Davis. Wow. Yes, exactly. And at the time she was heading up A&R for Def Jam West. And obviously she has such an illustrious career. She was my first boss. And I showed up the next day, lied to my parents, told them I had a paying job. My mother was convinced I was having a nervous breakdown. And that's really how I started. And I interned for Tina in the A&R department. It was a tiny, you know, tiny satellite office, five people. I was a student. Um, I absorbed everything that she taught me. I had no clue what I was doing, but I was figuring it out on, on the go. And I loved it. I was the first person there and the last person to leave. And I was like, this is really cool. I think I, think I like it. And uh, they told me they, they couldn't hire me. And I was like, okay, no problem. But you know, at the end of three months, I was like, I need to find a job. I, I gotta get paid. My parents are freaking out and pressuring me. Luck so had it that they found a, a, a way in for me. I mean, an office manager of like five people, but I was like, I'm gonna take it. I found my way in and I took the job and I, was bored to tears and I uh, started creating my own job, which unbeknownst to me was the role of a promotions manager. Um, so when artists would come to town, I would create their itinerary. I would take them to radio and to their video shoots and, you know, just kind of was their guide. I, I just did it because I was bored and young and had nothing else to do because an office manager of five people is not really, you know, is not really that active. Um, and uh, it was a stepping stone. It was a way in. And the rest is history. I, 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 I think the funny part of the story is that Kevin Lyles, who, uh, you know, co-founder, uh, CEO of 300 Entertainment and so much more, I met him and I started calling him every day. And I would tell him, you need to bring me to New York. I need to be where the action's at. I mean, whatever that meant, but I just wanted to be at the main, you know, Def Jam office. And I called him every day, relentlessly, religiously. He stopped taking my calls, um, but I, I didn't care. I wanted to show up on his call sheet. Persistence and a little bit of luck paid off. And 
he called me about a month or so later and said, are you ready? And I'm like, ready for what? He's like, well, I'm moving you to New York. I have a job for you and be on the red eye Sunday night and here on Monday in New York. And that's how it all started. Wow. That's a great story. You know, and, and if you're, if you're persistent um, and you have just that tenacity and, and willingness to go to do whatever it takes, because you believe that this is your lane, this is what you're meant to be doing. You can achieve things. You really can. I think we should see more of that from people. You know, I think people hedge their bets too much. I think young people are too afraid of failure. You know, sometimes you have to be relentless. You know, you have to show up. The world is big and loud and there's more than you vying for attention. So what, you know, the question is, what are you going to do to make yourself stand out? This reminds me of a little bit of my story. Like I've never shared this in this podcast, but uh, when I was uh, like about in 2012, 2013, I was working at, at BMG, the record label, and they were going to offer me a promotion. Uh, they were going to offer me this, this, this new role. At the end of the day, that was not on the table. And so I was in a situation where I needed to leave. I was living in New York. And at the time, you know, New York is a very expensive city. So you need a certain, certain uh, salary to get by. And so I was just looking for jobs. And then in a conversation with my dad, he said, you know what? Like, why don't you just go for it? Like, just start your own thing. And it reminds me of that. It reminds me of saying, you know, I have what it takes um, to start to do something meaningful. And that's when I started so stereo and never looked back. Right. So it reminds me of that story where, yeah, the, the job isn't available, but you still believe that it's your lane. Absolutely. You bet on yourself. And I think a lot of people don't, you know, sometimes you have to bet on yourself. You have to believe in yourself. It's a tough game. You have to have a thick skin and you you will hear no more than um, yes, but you and I, we both found a way. And, and the same can be said for brands as well, right? Like brands need to be bold. Brands need to be different in a way, taking risks. And, and when it comes to music, right, that's, that's the best opportunity to take risks. And especially nowadays, the, the main reason why a viewer decides to pay attention to an ad is just because like, you know, they, they hear something they like. That feeling where, oh, what is that? What is that song? I've never heard that before. And then they want to pay attention. So right? Being bold. So I'm sure like you've come across this so many times now at BBH, right? Absolutely. You know, you're finding those emotional connections, you know, what are the, what are the emotional touch points that you can try to uncover in a, in a 30 second spot, a 60 second spot, you know, um, and music is always that connector. It evokes that emotion um, from past, present, or, and even future, um, you know, for the dreamers and all of us. So, you know, when we, when we talk to brands, you know, music is obviously a, a huge, huge component and we belabor it, um, you know, and we go back and forth to find that right clip, that right intonation. Like, it's always a fun conversation because, you know, you're dealing always with such passionate, you know, creatives, we're just so passionate. Uh, and then you add music to it, you're, it's like a Molotov cocktail, but in the very best way. You know, so, um, but it's made all the difference. Um, and, you know, for BBH, it, it, there's, it, oddly enough, there's been so many number one hits coming out of BBH um, since the beginning. You know, we turned 40 in a couple of weeks uh, in April. 
Um, we'll be celebrating our 40th birthday. It's been such an illustrious, amazing journey. But, you know, even when you think back on those iconic Levi's ads that really set BBH apart, it, it, the foundation was always based in music, where there was, you know, Marvin Gaye. There's just so much, you know, that you can go back to. And we want to keep that tradition going and help our clients make an even bigger impact with their target consumer base by layering the, the music foundations. For sure. I mean, it's storytelling, right? I mean, in my opinion, there's no better tool in your creative toolbox than the music. And you look at where you've been and it's just you, you think of the word legacy brands, right? And so I'm sure music has played a big role when it comes to storytelling, right? Uh, I mean, you were at, at the Martin and company, right? And, and you worked on a, on a documentary And, and I'm sure like that played a role, right? You work with Jeff Daniels, right? Yes. Well, it, it reminded me how hard indie filmmaking is. <laughs> you know, I was at Martin Guitar, which is just the most amazing brand. It's the oldest American acoustic guitar manufacturer. Um, you know, we, we have a saying, any guitar player worth their chops has a Martin guitar. Um, they're just the best acoustic guitars in the world, bar none, played by the greats. Um, Johnny Cash to John Mayer to Eric Clapton. I mean, Ed Sheeran, it just goes on and on. And so, you know, we did a documentary um, to honor the 100th anniversary of the Dreadnought body size, which is their iconic body size that's been the most replicated guitar body size in the world. And um, it was called The Ballad of the Dreadnought. And it was basically just a love story to Martin Guitar. Um, I literally had no money. So it was all just a labor of love. Any money I did have went 100% to production. But, um, you know, the music, the sound, you know, the sound bed was so important. And, you know, I called in a favor. I called in Jeff Daniels, who was a longtime Martin Guitar uh, player and enthusiast. And I asked him to narrate the, the documentary for me. I was like, Jeff, I need your voice. I need this iconic voice. And I, and by the way, I have no money. So <laughs> I'm asking this like award-winning actor <laughs> to do this for free. But because of, you know, the love and the relationship to the brand, he, he agreed happily. Um, and so it really just, for me as a storyteller and as a marketer, the generosity that people gave to us, to this project. It was just so beautiful to witness and to be a part of it. I mean, everyone has a Martin guitar story. And, you know, you pick up the phone and you're cold calling. You know, I cold called the Gene Autry estate um, because I needed to license a piece of film from Universal Pictures. Again, I have no money. So I called the Gene Autry estate and they immediately connected me to the president of the foundation, the Jean Autry Foundation, just because I was at Martin Guitar. And she became a huge advocate of the project and called Universal Pictures and got it for free, got the clip I needed for free. I mean, it just, I have a hundred stories like that. And it really just shows the power of music for brands. Martin Guitar, it's a, it's a manufacturing company. They never in a million years would have thought that they should produce a documentary. But it did wonders for the brand. You know, we were written up in the Wall Street Journal. We won nine film festival awards. It, this little idea turned into a great marketing tool for this iconic legacy brand. Wow, that's, that's, that's an amazing story. 
you know, when you have strong, again, when you have strong belief in something, you know, you just make the calls, even if you don't know the people, you just cold call. And if, if you believe it, you get other people to believe it. Exactly. But the power of music cannot be underscored. It, it will move mountains. Exactly. And that's, that's why brands have a massive opportunity. Uh, and there's a lot of brands that, that are very good at, at leveraging that power. But there's, there's a lot more that can be unlocked. We like unlocking the marketing power of music because we believe that with music, you can achieve a lot of great things. Absolutely. And you have a bevy of artists that, you know, I remember when I was on the record label side and, you know, marketing budgets were dwindling. Um, we just didn't have the huge budget that we used to have, you know, 10, 15 uh, years ago when I was in the business. And so it, it forced the marketing teams to get really creative and start thinking of the artist more as a brand. How do we partner with like-minded brands to help amplify the album or the single or whatever the project was that we were working on? Now, fast forward, it's, it's just normal business. I mean, record labels, they have departments that do nothing but strategic partnerships with blue chip brands for their artists um, to help amplify and, and fund and um, support their, their projects. So it's just so interesting to see, you know, I was kind of at the beginning of that journey and to see where it is now, it's just the norm now. But to your point, there's still so much more brands can be doing to integrate artists, music with their brand. Because, you know, you can attract an entirely new consumer base um, by, you know, strategic uh, integration. But it needs to be rooted in authenticity. Because... You don't want it to be like um, a one-trick pony, you know. Oh, I'm just inserting this key artist because it's an easy fix. And it it comes off of lazy, right? Yeah, and it just it can do more damage for your brand than good. So you do need to be smart and make sure that it is an authentic fit on both sides. You know, the artist needs to protect their brand and their image and their reputation, and the brand has to protect their image and their reputation. So it really needs to be thoughtful. It just can't be uh, reckless because the consequences, you know, consumers nowadays, they can be a little uh, unforgiving. And people are smart. People can see through that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like sometimes, I mean, you have a huge budget. Reaction is, oh, let me go with the top 40 song that's been super successful. And just because people love that song, they're going to love me as a brand. I mean, obviously there's been cases where you work with a very important mainstream artist and the authenticity is there and it's amazing. But sometimes you just, oh, let me just go with a hottest song right now and that'll work. Exactly. You have to be very careful um, and smart. And that's where agencies can really play um, an enhanced role with their, with their brand partners. You know, we are the experts. We know. And so, you know, we have to be um, also um, our partner's brand guardians. Um, that's how we look at ourselves as BBH, that we are trusted brand guardians. We will never put something forward that would compromise the integrity of the brand equity. We just, we just wouldn't do that. Most people wouldn't do that. Um, so we are very thoughtful in our approach with any type of integration because we want to make sure that it feels authentic 
um, as well as, you know, it serves the purpose, serves the intention to amplify the project um, and to grow and attract potentially a new audience, whatever the objectives are. Oh, for sure. That's great. I have a question for you. What direction would you like to see music take in advertising? Like what, what trends do you see coming uh, in terms of the role that music can play in advertising, given uh, all the channels that are available? Like what opportunities uh, do you see? You know, I think it's always like, where's the, where's the next disruptor? You know, you have to be careful with disruptors. You know, I think that there is a huge lane um, in this metaverse area. Um, I know from talking with a lot of friends, uh, ex-colleagues on the record label side, they are embracing it wholeheartedly as just another extension, another platform um, to uh, promote and amplify what's going on with an, with an artist and their project. Um, so I do think that is a, a very uncharted, <laughs> so you have to be careful, but exciting new direction that we as, an, as agencies can take brand partnerships into. You know, we're working quietly on um, a project in the metaverse is exactly what we're talking about. It's the marriage of a new platform um, with an artist with a brand. So stay tuned. We have something coming out this spring. On <laughs> You definitely have our attention there. But it's, it's like you said before, like video content is exploding. The opportunity is there. And just some figures, like 82% of the world's internet traffic uh, is video. It's on demand. And if you look at Spotify, there's 22 million songs uploaded every year, 60,000 a month. So that's, that's a lot of music and that's a lot of video. Absolutely. And the majority of the music is music made by real artists. We like to say no one goes to Spotify to listen to stock music. So why would they want to hear that in a commercial? Yeah. So, right. But, but you see the correlation that we're trying to get at here. And a lot of what we're trying to do is say, hey, like there's all these artists, right, that, ha that have an amazing voice, that have important things to say, important things to express. And as brands, there's a massive opportunity to amplify those voices, right? And that's kind of like why we like to do this podcast, just so people like you and uh, can share those stories about how music has been successful. So this has been great, Amani. Thank you. You know, I also want to say to your point, like for a lot of brands and agencies, don't just go to the top 40 list. I remember when I was at Martin Guitar not that long ago, um, when I had started their ambassador program, I was chasing um, a young little kid by the name of Ed Sheeran. And Ed was still new, not selling out stadiums. You know, he was just starting. I, I remember going to see him at Irving Plaza. You know, he was still playing small size venues. He wasn't the big pop star that he is today. And, you know, I had to really convince my brand to take a chance on what they considered was a new you know, a new artist. So, but how exciting and smart it was that we got in so early with him, you know, before the Taylor Swift tour, before all the, you know, before he was selling out three nights of Wembley Stadium, you know, to be able to have that success story, part of your brand story speaks volumes. So, you know, I really have um, an affinity towards the, the indie artists. Don't shy away from, from those up and comers. Go on SoundCloud. There's lots of amazing talent that I don't know could be the next Ed Sheeran <laughs> so you know you don't always have to lean into the obvious choices you could really find that diamond in the rough to be a part of your brand story be courageous look outside the box 
you got it true. And again, you believed in that. You made it happen. You were bold. I have a last question for you. Uh, and this is something I like to ask to everyone. What kind of music are you listening to these days? What kind of songs or artists, not to put you on the spot, by the way, uh, there's no right or wrong answer, but just we, we always like to ask, uh, you know, what music are you listening to? And people discover new music this way also. Oh, shoot. And now I have to like think about it because I listen, I listen to so much. Um, so right now I'm listening to obviously Adele. I mean, I've just been on this journey with Adele for so, so, so long. Um, you know, I'm always a Tyler, the creator fan. I just love his level of creativity. Um, he is just bar none. I, it's just so amazing. So another artist that I love, and I was introduced to her um, through my friends at RCA Records, Yeba, Y-E-B-B-A. I mean, what a voice. What an album. Right? What a voice. What a voice. It's just magical. I want to shout out this new artist. I discovered her through my friend Heather Lowry. She has um, an amazing company through Live Nation, and she's been putting on this incredible tour. The tour is called Big Femme Energy in conjunction with Amazon Music. Her name is Say Grace. Her Instagram is Call Me Say Grace. Um, and she is just incredible. Her voice is through the roof. New artist, indie, check her out, Say Grace. She is amazing. She reminds me a little bit of Adele. She has that soul. Uh, she, you know, kind of like Yabba. Um, so those are just a few of the two artists that I'm listening to right now. Uh, thank you so much, Amani, for coming in here. It was a pleasure chatting. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me.